Hello and welcome back to the movies. This is a podcast hosted by yours truly, Daniel Berrios. And today's movie is Body. 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 I'm not nervous. Wow, they're so impressive. You're impressive. They're gonna be obsessed with you. They're not as nihilistic as they look on the internet. You guys, this is me. Oh, whoa. Is this your first relationship? Oh no, you just kind of give that vibe. Oh, you know that has weed in it, right? Who wants to play bodies, bodies, bodies? So how do you play? If you draw the piece of paper that has the X on it, you are the murderer. Let's go. And if you're the murderer, you have to kill someone by touching them on the back. The most important part, if you come across a body, you have to yell, Body, body, body! Wow. Is that the lights? Our friend is dead. Someone's doing this. They're trying to kill us off one by one. That would be so obvious if I were the killer. Taking off my clothes in the window for the neighbors. Where are you? How long have you known her? What are you talking about? Jordan, what are you doing? I'm staying safe. Really? Because it looks like you're grabbing a meat cleaver to go look for my boyfriend. Just watch your girl. You pushed her. Liar. You just want to be me. That all you got, mother? I brought something. <laughs> what is it? It's zucchini bread. Yum. My hot girl, pop girl, rich girl, I'm a girl. Fast girl, catch me if you can go. Bodies, bodies, bodies is directed by Helena Rain with a screenplay by Sarah DeLop, adapted from a story by Kristen Rupenian. It stars Rachel Sennett, Amanda Stenberg, Myhala Harold, Chase Sweet Wonders, Lee Pace, Maria Bakalova, and Pete Davidson. And if you heard the trailer, the plot surrounds itself around these group of friends acting rowdy at a parent's house, playing this game, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And then, you know, the game of whodunit turns real whenever one of their friends start got murdered. So they have to find out what happened, who did it, etc., etc. And that's kind of what the movie sets itself out as at the beginning. But so much of this movie is about the deep interactions between these friends. And they're less friends and more like you ever have a group of people that you kind of are just hanging out with because you're too polite to tell them to fuck off? Or there's too much deep, dark history in order to really break off? Everybody in this movie has secrets and relates to each other, and that's kind of the, you know, the murder on the Orient Express about it, that everybody has a relationship with somebody that isn't quite perfect. 
And so there's a lot of side eyes. And whenever the shit really hits the fan, a lot of people are quick to go j'accuse. And then you throw on top of that this sort of Gen Z lingo. These kids that have grown up with the advancement of the internet and specifically the advancement of communication and how easy it is to facilitate just this quick knee-jerk response. You put these people in the middle of a murder mystery and suddenly everybody's going ballistic. And I loved this movie. I thought it was so much fun, first off. Just a really goofy, like, go-crazy-nuts time. Uh, I don't know what it is. I say this every episode, I've been thinking about death way too much lately, and so something about the idea of these kids meeting up in the middle of this crazy storm, specifically in order to just say, like, fuck it, we're gonna live forever and just drink and dance and have a great time and whatnot, that's, like, living in the moment, that kind of excites me, and so you see them i mean they're in a rich mansion and i think we start the movie out from maria bekalova's point of view her character's b she's the new girl she's uh not i think she calls herself uh the outsider at one point that she has a thicker accent and it's not quite as easy to break into a friend group and so whenever she's invited to the party by her girlfriend, Sophie, played by Amanda Stenberg, who's, uh, if you've ever watched Euphoria, she's a little bit of Rue and I think a little bit of Cassie. Just that really bubbly personality who has way too many secrets in order for people to actually buy into the bubbliness for long. Uh, but, you know, B loves her and she's, you know, I guess relying on Sophie to kind of introduce her to the group. So we see a lot of the beginning of the movie through her eyes and then just visiting everybody in the cast who already has that feeling in her mind of like, oh my God, they're so cool and they know what they're doing. They have this like rich kid uh, prep mentality. I mean, whenever we show up and see uh, Emma and David, so Chase Sweet Wonders and Pete Davidson, they're a couple and there i can't maybe it's because i've got the breakup on my mind but there's a weird like kim kardashian vibe that they're trying to pull off but it doesn't quite work because it just comes off as like waspy douchebag goes falls for a girl who just clearly wants to look like a supermodel and superstar but hasn't quite you know i mean they're still kids and I think that's kind of what I loved about the relationship between these people is that so much of this movie is about puffing themselves up to make themselves look older or seem wiser or seem cooler than they actually are. But again, when the shit starts hitting the fan and the murder really kicks off, everybody breaks down into whatever insecure, vulnerable, bubbling, idiot mess they are. Uh, but I don't know. Emma has the feeling whenever I see her that... I think she feels the need to pretend that everything is fine. I like that uh, Wonders has this way of like tightening her face whenever she's clearly stressed to say like, oh no, everything's everything's fine. It's just that weird stretch of the mouth that's kind of like this really uh, thin dam holding all this emotion back. Uh, David is clearly, I mean, Pete Davidson has always been kind of the nice stonery guy. 
But in this one, he's such a dick. And horrifically insecure, feels his masculinity being challenged at every moment by everybody. And especially uh, Lee Pace, who's uh, who's playing Greg, who's kind of going with Alice, uh, Rachel Sennett's character. Greg is clearly like 20 years older than Alice is. And, I mean, he's nice. He seems like... He's the McConaughey, you know? He's not here for a long time. He's just a good time. This is a guy that I could easily see, like, on the Easter... from If Matthew McConaughey isn't dazed and confused in one universe, this guy is is, is uh, Wooderson in a completely different universe, hitting on high school girls because they stay the same age. You know, I have that feeling, but he's not creepy about it. He's just here to hang out and who better to hang out with than alice who reminds me of like karen from mean girls she has this that bubbly airheaded vibe like it's that carefree looseness that i just want to party and enjoy the world but uh she's a fucking sweetheart everything she says here is funny as fuck and i just watching Rachel Sennett on screen just bouncing all over the place. She's the one wearing these uh glow uh these glow necklaces and a lot of the movie whenever the lights go out in the house, you you rely on her to light the way literally. Like there'll be f- this movie is lit with flashlights, occasional like small bulbs, candles and glow necklaces. And I, I love the way that the movie plays off that. I want to see who uh, did the cinematography on this thing real quick. Because it's a unique way of doing this kind of movie. You fear that in horror movies, on one end, they can be so ridiculously dark that it just doesn't, you know, it, it just doesn't work. You know, you can't see a damn thing. Uh, the cinematography is done by Jasper Wolf. Let me see. What else has he done? Oh, he did uh, Helena Rain's first directorial uh, piece, Instinct. That's probably why they've been uh, together for so long. That's really cool, man. I, I just like the way they approach it because you can either have a horror movie that's stupidly dark. Like, it just you can't see a fucking thing. Or you have it to where... The lighting is supposed to resemble something like you're in a normal house, but it's definitely has way too many lights. You know, it doesn't quite look realistic. It looks like a set where I think with this one, the way that Wolf is able to kind of interweave these different sources of light and make it feel like, you know, an actual house sometimes that you're running through helps, you know, amp up a little bit of the fear. I like that a lot of this is just reacting to people running around and bumping into things and screams that are too far away to like they're too far away to investigate but too close not to ignore and just i love everything about this one um the sound uh the sound design works really well in here this is one of those movies that when you hear the kills happen it makes you think about how terrible it must be to actually see it dead on not to say the gore isn't you know 
good in this one. Not to say the gore isn't effective, but so, like watching It Man, you don't watch It Man. You listen to It Man because some of the bone crunches and some of the punches that you hear in that movie immediately make your soul hurt. And a lot of the sound design works in the same way here. Either whether it's creeping me out or whether it's like treating me to the first thought in my brain of, oh my god, how the fuck did this person just get killed? But uh, to go further into the sound, the score by Disaster Piece is Chef's Kiss. Just beautiful, dark, Carpenter-esque synth. I mean, this is the guy that did It Follows, which is one of my favorite scores of the past decade i love this nouveau synth that's going on there's a lot of playfulness it's sort of this uh menace with their playfulness the way he handles the score and i just immediately loved it you throw that in with a soundtrack that has like charlie xcx and just this hot girl summer energy like i can imagine a world where megan the stallion shows up as the killer in this you know i i can't that's not what happens, but I have a feeling that there's a world where Megan the Stallion was definitely on like the can we get this person for this movie list? And just uh I think that's the great tone that this thing balances. There's a lot of playfulness. There's a really dark uh sense of humor to it, especially when it's related to the idea that like, yeah, people are dying, but the secrets that these people hold between them and the pettiness that comes across from that especially in a moment of panic that's what the movie really focuses on somebody tweeted the other day that this was kind of like reservoir dogs and it does very much feel like it a lot of the movie is about the interactions and less about the tropes of a plot like this and i found myself realizing that really early in the movie and because i was enjoying so much of these characters i was just riding with it hell i haven't even talked about uh my uh my holly harold's character jordan who highlights one of the great things i love about what rain's doing in the direction whenever uh Jordan is the one person in the movie who isn't with somebody in the beginning and whenever you walk in she's very quiet but you can see the side eyes you know i love uh, rain's selection uh shot selection because she'll find these little moments of performance along with her editors uh julia block and taylor levy they'll find these little moments of deep performance where it's like oh somebody why is Jordan looking at Sophie like that? What is going on there? Or like, why is Jordan looking at B that way? Or why does David have this like overly long glance towards Greg or Emma? Like you watch these people and they have these great shots that reveal so much character without having to say a single fucking word. And that's kind of the fun I have with this. Uh, the way... I saw this um, at a screening where they had a Q&A live streamed afterwards. And the way that the cast and director talked with each other felt like a collaborative effort. It really feels more like an extended play rather than anything else. And I guess that makes sense because on one way, Sarah DeLapp, who wrote the screenplay, she's famous for a play that she wrote called uh, The Wolves. 
I think it's about like some teen girl soccer. That's her big thing. But it definitely feels contained in that way, you know, that it's more about the characters bouncing off of each other because it's not like you have these crazy chase sequences and action set pieces, which in a way you do because it's a slasher movie and it's a horror film, but it's not always about that. And I like the ability to kind of keep things concise, keep everybody there, and then just focus on the performance that conveys the most without having to break into soliloquies or monologues or whatnot. And there was a there was a draft of this uh, Rupenian's first draft that was kind of leaked on Reddit, and I'm not totally sure if this is hers for real because I saw it on Reddit. But if it is. It looks like they wrote the spec script in 2018. It definitely reads more like a straightforward horror movie. Has more of the beats of the horror film and the whodunit and whatnot. But with the collaboration with Rain and the cast, definitely brings in a lot more of that dark comedy. That black humor, that uh, Gen Z lingo that's going on. A lot of the topical stuff that's going on with this where uh, they'll yell at each other and say stuff like, you're gaslighting me, and you're so toxic, and you can't be mad at me because I have this mental illness and this idea that they don't quite know how to communicate how they actually feel, so they just hide behind words that they don't fully, or terms that they really don't fully understand, but feels like it gives them a better grasp of what's going on. And I like the dichotomy of this because um, it genuinely feels of two things. One, that I'm glad that we live in a world where a lot of these um, things that weren't discussed before, like panic attacks and gaslighting and abuse and the, you know, the growing understanding of our sexuality and uh, a bigger consciousness of how one's personal behavior can be, uh, I guess, an example of uh, how an overarching patriarchal system has affected us as human beings. You know, like all that stuff. The consciousness is there, which is nice. And it's nice that we're starting to like learn a little bit about that. And it, it's weird, like this generation, I guess, is communicating in a way where the technology is moving faster than their brains can think. You know, it used to be like that you'd think faster than your, like you'd speak faster than your brain could uh, come up with the thoughts. In a weird way, the technology is moving even faster than that. So there's like a weird way of playing catch up where like the emotions are real. What these teens are feeling are re is real. I think there's one point where uh, Alice just blurts out that she has body dysmorphia. And Jordan looks at her like she's fucking nuts. And it's supposed to be a funny moment. And I felt it as a funny moment. But then there's something in Senate's performance which makes me think, no, I, I think she's being truthful here. Even though at a moment this might be something that's used as a way to like, accent how uh much of like a victim or how we should pity her in that moment whatever whatever it's not to say that when she says that she hasn't felt that before and i feel that in their performances these characters 
maybe don't know how to explain what they're feeling, but it doesn't mean that the feelings aren't real, and it doesn't mean that the feelings aren't valid either. Maybe they just don't really understand how to communicate. And it's the great irony of movies like this that honestly, if somebody just backed off, if, if somebody just learned to shut the fuck up and listen for once, that shit might go down a little bit easier. But that's not why we're here. That's not the way our world works. I mean, in a moment where somebody can say something bad and be canceled within seconds, that sort of moment that half second of mindfulness rarely bubbles to the surface and so watching these characters kind of play with the black comedy of that especially while you know people are being bludgeoned and stabbed and blood spills all over and it's like on two floors you'll see blood and blood pouring down the stairs and it's like oh my god how much crazy shit can happen here but it does. I just—I don't think I'm ever gonna get out of this uh, episode without saying that Alice talks about podcasts in a way that made me feel fucking seen, and I am just so proud of that. There's a moment where I'm just felt so fucking called out, but. Also, in a way, that's like, yeah, you go. You tell them how it is being a fucking podcaster. Uh, (laughs) I don't know, man. Uh, There's a... What is it? I was thinking about Sophie the other day. Because I saw this movie a while back. But I was thinking about Sophie's character specifically. And how... um, She's insecure in a way where I think she just needs someone to love her or pay attention to her. And I think I've heard this thing the other day where uh, love and attention could be the same thing. And then I was talking about that with my wife and my wife was like, well, there's a difference between loving someone and being in love with someone. The state of love. And I don't know, thinking about how that is working and especially in a culture where like i guess polyamory is a little is discussed with a little less uh stigma than it used to be uh people that uh i mean sexuality is definitely i guess increased the or i guess decreased the stigma of sort of this uh being not so selective maybe i don't, I don't know is that a Maybe I'm crossing into weird territory here, but I feel like this, I feel like it's different now to be, to love somebody in this way. I feel like there are more options for people now that folks that just want to like seek like attention and like this, I want to be the, I don't know, I think people say like, I want to be loved, but that turns into I want people to pay attention to me. I want people to take me seriously. And I don't want to be like tied down necessarily. But I want to experience the good feelings from everyone around me as much as possible. And I feel like that's a different approach than when it was when I was in high school. Where it was very much like I want a boyfriend. I want a girlfriend. That kind of thing. And just... I don't know. It's... I feel a a change in the culture and the winds, says I. And maybe this is just a rambly part of the episode, but I don't know. There's something 
interesting about the idea of loving someone is that the same as being in love with someone? I feel like Sophie said it would, but it comes across to me as this dependency, this sort of insecure thing. I don't really know. Uh, this one, it, it's weird because I don't want to talk about this way too much to the point where it's like, oh, you don't, you know, you're just going to reveal everything in the movie. And I don't even think I really could unless I straight up said everything. But I guess to wrap this up, I just love this thing for the cast. You know, I don't think this is a movie that's going to get, you know, this isn't an Oscar-y type of movie. I would love it to be because it's one of my favorite things I've seen this year. And I love the way that Rain is able to balance tone so damned well there's never a moment in this thing where the comedy gets too far or the horror gets too far or the emotional stuff between these people gets too far it's always right in the pocket and it's one of those things where i think you know there's definitely someone making choices here that brings this thing to a really satisfying goofy dark end and when i think about that kind of stuff it's a movie that, like, I want to be, like, you know, I, I want Helena Rain to be considered for, like, a director just because I think the vision is so good and I love the screenplay the way it is. The adapted screenplay could work out with this. Uh, I would, the closest thing I could probably say to award season for this, if there's any love in SAG, I really think the best ensemble thing would really work here. And again, I know there's going to be a shit ton of fall movies. It looks like right now uh, the Harry Styles movie, My Policeman, that's premiering at Toronto. That one is getting, I think this got a TIFF tribute award for the cast that's there because it's uh, a cast of six, three and three being three being the young versions of characters, three being the old versions of characters. I think that one's going to be definitely something that SAG pays attention to because that's the kind of performances that get noted but there wasn't a weak link in this one and i mean my favorite senate just because i love the bubbly like happy ones like i love the happy characters that everybody just wants to hang around with and have a good time so i really love her but everybody here is so damn good in their roles that there really isn't a weak link and i love the way they interact with each other and it just you know if there's any justice and the screen actors guild give this an ensemble nomination man just fuck it do it why not what's it gonna hurt what's it gonna fucking hurt but anyway that is gonna be it for me thank you very much for listening to another episode of the movies if you want to follow me on twitter please do so at the movies underscore pod you are probably listening to this on tuesday morning because i had a really fucking long day but i'm hoping that on thursday August 11th, 2022, my next episode will be a review of Ridley Scott's epic gladiator recommended to me by my friend Risa. You can follow her on Twitter at Risa. It's a really easy Twitter name. It's pretty hard to forget. But yeah, she recommended this to me. 
Spoiler alert, I absolutely loved Gladiator, so it's going to be a fun fucking episode. But until next time, you all take care. Thank you.